Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Uh-huh. How are you? I'm fine. Just a little discombobulated, but fine. Because you returned from Berlin yesterday. Mm-hmm. Your flight situation was interesting. Mm-hmm. Because I missed my early morning flight out of Berlin because the security at the Brandenburg airport is... Uh, wow. I haven't I haven't had an, a security experience like that in a long time, uh, but yes. So that airport is new. Yeah, I think it opened during the pandemic, but it was a long time coming, from what I understand. And you had mentioned something I had never heard of, but people were telling you that you should make an appointment to get through security. Yeah, you have the ability, and I thought nothing of it because I'm like, don't need to do that. Um, I also had a early early morning flight, um, but. Yeah, you can make an appointment. Uh, it's called the Berlin Roadway or some, something like that. I saw a signage for it. And then they have different, like, say, five different um, portals for everybody else to go through. But not all of those are open all the time. If it, like, if it hits a certain limit, they will close that portal and make everybody go down to the next one. Uh, okay, I have a quick question, though. If the airport knows that they have flights with X number of passengers, then they know every single passenger has to get through security. Mm -hmm. So they should already have a very good roadmap of what the uh, traffic will be like. So first of all, why, how can you not be prepared? It's not like a hotel where we know we have 2200 check-ins today. We just don't know when they're arriving for an airport. We know exactly when people are, it was i uh, so of course i got was stuck in this security line which the the kicker is it wasn't even really that long there were maybe 40 people in front of me but each person took 10 sometimes longer 15 minutes to get them through i'm not kidding because the uh the only one person maybe two but usually only one person could unpack their stuff at once and then it had to be gone over by someone in person to make sure everything looked good and almost everybody especially these ladies were getting caught up on not having the right packaging for their liquids oh it was it was incredibly frustrating but um so you had to pay to get on a new flight mm -hmm. so thank you to all of the people who are supporting us on anchor if you'd like (laughs) you can sponsor us uh for as little as 99 cents a month it'll go to help pay for nick's uh transfer fees. <laughs> uh-huh. But we'll talk about um your Berlin uh trip and the winners of the is it called the Golden Bear? Yep, the Golden Bear is the top award. Oh, but what do they call the award ceremony? Uh it's just the Berlin the the, <laughs> the award ceremony, I don't know. But before we get to that, um I made you watch the BAFTA performance from Ariana DeBose. Which I was already aware of because people were talking about it in Berlin. So after watching it, what did you think? I thought that uh, we didn't need it. It could have not happened and would have been good for everyone. I think the same. I <laughs> So, well, first of all, it's not well done. And not necessarily because she can't sing or dance. I just think it was a corny... Because she can sing. Concept. It was very corny. Also, for that crowd, like this stuffy British white crowd where everyone's sitting there uh, 
it makes me think of got to be real when aretha was just in there clapping like patty had just taken her order in the drive-thru window like <laughs> yeah. with no life to them and then you have this brown lady singing and dancing her little heart out even doing a rap performance yeah which is where the whole angela bassett did the thing comes from it's just so embarrassing like why did they have her out there shucking and driving like that it it wouldn't have been me. Like, I'm not doing this at the Baptist. That would have been more appropriate on, like, SNL. It felt like a skit. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. But, you know, Ariana DeBose is very talented. So I feel bad that she, you know, got caught up in this bullshit. Um, and then yesterday, the NAACP award, Im- Image Awards occurred, and Angela won an award. And when she got up there, she made reference to, like she says, I guess Angela did the thing. <laughs> but on the red carpet prior to that, a, a reporter asked her about it. And she said that she immediately reached out to Ariana. Like she DM'd her like on Instagram to make sure she was okay. And Angela said that Ariana is A-OK. Oh. So, you know, I, I guess all press is good press. And... Yeah. I mean, what's the, what's the, there's nothing bad that's no, just people making fun of her, I guess. And, you know, if you watch the entire performance, the, the lady can't sing and dance. Yeah, of course so she can. It was just a very poorly put together, like, performance for a crowd that, in an event that it just made no sense. And also, she was singing live, mm-hmm. so she sounds winded, and mm-hmm. she probably shouldn't have sang live if she's going to do all that singing and dancing. Well, but... <laughs> and, and the, the, some other, who wrote the lyrics to that little rap? Because that was that's what like, I mean. It's just so corny. It's too, it's too bad. But I think, you know what? I feel like that pl- would have played the same at the Oscars, which is also stuffy, uh, overtly white still. I think it would have made like a fun. Well, I just think it was cor- poorly written. You can't get around it. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. like the whole sisters are doing it for themselves. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was so corny. Yeah. Um, I watched a, like a little documentary on the, there was a reunion for the cast of family matters. Oh yeah. The show that mm-hmm. people know probably Steve Urkel from. Sure. Anyway, they had the entire cast. And I, so the thing that stood out to me that kind of bothered me is they're interviewing, um, one of the creators this white guy and he's talking about it and he's like well the show is kind of a spinoff of the show perfect strangers oh which we know larry and Balky yeah from. yeah i, I had the biggest crush on bronson Pinchot from really? that show um i didn't realize that Can yes harriet uh winslow the, the mother on family yeah. matters she was a small character on perfect strangers i believe she was like the security guard at larry's work or something like that oh okay but that her character resonated with viewers so they thought what if we build a show around her because the creator of family matters said that the executives at whatever it was abc said that they wanted a show about a black family Mm -hmm. so then of course you know it would make sense to do a show that's attached to a character people already know so immediately they thought reginald bell johnson would make a good dad mm-hmm. so to test him they brought him in for an episode to play harriet's husband and he played a cop like he was on family matters mm-hmm. and that performed well so that's where the show came from but what rubbed me the wrong way is you have this white guy talking about yeah the executives at abc they wanted a black show so they asked us to do it and it's just like so they asked this white man 
<laughs> of course they did because that's and the, that's how they always do there it. were no black people in his right. position yeah. exactly but it just like hearing him say it he didn't even because sometimes you get um white people in hollywood who were making decisions back in the day and now that we have more an awareness of how, how there hasn't been equality a lot of these people now talk about it in a way where they say like you know i wish i would have xyz and so it kind of took me off guard that this guy just was very like yeah they just wanted this show and so we did this and it's like no acknowledgement that like you craft like you had no business right <laughs> we, we couldn't find someone right with a little melanin to at least like but um that was a favorite of mine growing up the same yep um i i saw a story i thought you might find funny i'm going to read you the headline um a woman crashes her suv into a popeyes after her order was missing the biscuits Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> she was distracted so, oh my god <laughs> so this woman belinda miller in augusta georgia she um I'm going to read this little snippet. Just after 7.45 p.m. Saturday, Richmond County Sheriff's deputies responded to the chicken restaurant in Augusta for an accident with injuries. The Popeye's manager told deputies Miller drove her SUV into the east entrance after she became upset that her order did not have any biscuits, according to the incident report. <laughs> the manager told authorities Miller's order was corrected and she received her biscuits prior to the incident, but Miller was still, quote unquote, not happy. Prior to the incident, the manager said the woman made several threats to the staff, even calling and threatening to drive her car into the building. Oh, so she was going through it today. Awesome oh. biscuits. <laughs> well, now, you know, I like Popeyes. I do too. And the biscuits are good. Mm -hmm. and, but and, I'm not going to crash the Audi over some biscuits. And, and, or some sweet heat. And the sweet heats, which they are so stingy with. I know. It's so bizarre. They, Popeyes, if you're out there, is, I, I need mean, more than one packet of sauce of any kinds for uh, for like three tenders. I need more than one pack of sweet heat. <laughs> you know, I I think you should get at least a packet per tender. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. crazy. A packet per tender. Yeah, <laughs> that so should be that should be the ratio. Okay. And it's like I can understand if you're a franchise and like the owner is there and like they're trying to manage supply but sometimes it'll just be like an hourly employee who does why do you care about these sauce why bags? do you care and also can't don't they know the demand is high can't you just have more available give me the sauce i need can't you just just can you give it to me in something i can squirt it out into so you don't have this packet issue i don't know you know since we moved to this new house we're not we used to live right next to a popeyes we did and they had fluctuations in their grade levels yes um they weren't always grade a so we would stay away but now that we don't live near one i haven't had popeyes yeah i haven't right. had popeyes in over a year yeah it's been a minute i don't even know where there is a popeyes near us now their shrimps don't impress me usually uh but i do like their sides you do like del taco shrimps when they have them when they have them that's rare i haven't eaten there in years though we almost ate there last night i know it but was... They, it was not it was eight o'clock and the dining room was closed mm -hmm. del taco if you're out there i don't understand how the dining room is closed del taco and ladera heights or where were we westchester we were in westchester okay. by the airport across from truxton's i should have just gone truxton's uh, oh but our intention was to go to my favorite mexican restaurant in la so if you're listening paco's tacos in westchester you can send us a gift card in the p.o box but um i wish they'd remodel them it is a little dated but that food oh it's good it's yeah. so good we we were going to sit down after i picked you up from the airport but um you there was a wait 
a 15 minute wait and we're like nah no <laughs> this is america what is this eastern europe what? i'm not waiting 15 minutes to eat my favorite food <laughs> and then we take our asses to del taco and they're closed <laughs> so we end up going to the, what oh. was that place called the nug there's a there's this phenomenon i feel with postmates and uber eats and grubhub where there are restaurants masquerading as like more interesting establishments mm-hmm. but it's really like some hole in the wall mm-hmm. and some of these restaurants have like three different businesses in them yeah so there's a restaurant right on the corner from where we live that is now two different kinds of restaurants mm-hmm. and when you go on like uber eats it looks like really fancy but it's just this damn hole in the wall and they have one restaurant inside that's mexican mm-hmm. and another that's like called nug yeah. something where they sell chicken nuggets and cauliflower nuggets mm-hmm. so we tried it out the food was good yeah if uh, not a little overpriced as most things are but yeah yeah it was fine it was just just a strange experience yeah but anyway um yeah if someone wants to send us popeyes we'll eat it too uh okay now you can tell us about berlin what do you want to know uh, well, you stayed in your usual hotel, yeah. which is in the area that's near. I've only been once, and I stayed in that hotel. Potsdamer Platz. And that's where all the things happen. Well, they, they've they had some problems with uh, theater venues closing. So eventually, this festival will be forced to spread out even more than it is now. So I actually had to venture out to um, a few more venues than I normally would, like like outside of the area. Uh, but yeah, most things still technically happen in Potsdamer Platz near the palace. And this year, there were more people there who you knew than usual. Yeah, as compared to last year, because last year there were so many restrictions, we had to get tested. The press had to be tested every day. Uh, oh, so y'all were just raw dogging everything this year? Oh yeah, there was very few, but so was Can this past year. Nobody is really um, paying attention to that anymore, it seems. But. Were there any memorable encounters? Did you see anyone? Um, I saw Matt Damon get out of a, a car. A, a bunch, like people were hooting and hollering at him. And did you like, scream faggot when you saw him? <laughs> no. Oh, that's what I would do. F-slur. I'd be like, here's an F slur for you. But I laughed because I swear somebody said, thank you, thank you. I'm like, for what? He doesn't even have a film here. What are you thanking him for? Getting out of the car and waving. Um, and then... Maybe he produced... Something. I don't know. I didn't bother to check why he might have possibly been there, but he was. Uh, and I was, you know, I always get conf- lots of people assume I'm German uh, when I'm there. So, um, which leads to some strange interactions because people just come up and start talking to me. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Uh, then somebody told me I looked like a Berliner. And I said, is that a compliment? And he said, no, you look like a bitch. <laughs> you look broke. <laughs> listen young call me anything but broke okay anyway <laughs> um but no it would you know this was i've been going since 2016 um yeah i i, I love the city uh i love the experience uh, i'm usually always disappointed in what the jury selects to win out of uh their competition but well let's talk about the winners <clears throat> so Kristen stewart was the jury president you know she's the youngest uh, jury president ever i think at any of the three major film festivals, Berlin for, for certain. How old is she? She's not, was she 30 yet? Let me look it up. Continue. Anyway, I was shocked uh, when I saw the, what, what one? Um, she's 32. Okay. So yeah, she's very young. Uh, this, this jury, 
you handed out some shitty ass awards, I think, compared to what you could have given. So there to. are five awards total. No, there's like uh, one, two, three. Not all of them inherently matter to me. But well, let's go through the <laughs> lesser ones that you want to talk about, and we can end with like the best film or something. Okay. Um, well, I was happy to see that uh, Elaine Louvart, the cinematographer, won for Disco Boy, which is one of my favorites for the Silver Bear for Outstanding Artistic Contributions. So that's one of the few I really uh, agree with. And then uh, this just is head scratching to me that uh, Angela Shanelek's music won Best Screenplay for a film that ostensibly feels post narrative uh, in all of the most obvious ways. Uh, which is a film that's more fun to talk about than it is to actually sit through. Mm. But there, to me, the there, I would have guessed there was no script, and I would have guessed she told those actors not to act in that movie. Anyway, uh, and I do like her. I loved her past two films, and I was, I was kind of let down by music, but I didn't hate it. But the fact that it won Best Screenplay is such a joke. Anyway, um, since 2020, they've you know, Berlin is, I think, the only major film festival that has taken gender out of the acting uh, categories. So instead, they developed a best supporting, a silver bear for best supporting performance. And that went to actually a trans actor, Thea Era, for Till the End of the Night, which I really didn't like that film either. But uh, they are the best part of it, Okay, uh, I, I think. So I will give it that, but I, I didn't like that film. Uh, and then the silver bear for best leading performance went to a young girl named Sophia Otero for 20,000 Species of Beat, uh, which is a, the story about a, a young trans girl that is just uh, coming to discover who she wants to be, uh, which was an okay film. It was very well-meaning. Uh, I really liked the actress playing the mom in that and the, her clearly lesbian auntie. Uh, the Silver Bear for Best Director is equally head-scratching. Philip Guerrell, who is a director I like, won Best Director for The Plow. And boy, I, I loathed this film uh, starring three of his children and written by his wife. It oh. is not, I didn't like it. And there was a lot of people that also didn't, but I ran into people that loved it. And clearly this jury did. But it makes no sense that he would win this award for this. And I liked his past three films even. And I mean, he's been around since the 70s at least, if not late 60s. But wow, I head scratching uh one thing that i'm glad that did win something the silver bear jury prize uh basically third place in the competition went to joao joao canijo uh, for bad living which was a film i did really like and then i'm not mad at the silver bear grand jury prize so second place went to a fire by christian petzold i think it's more of a minor petzold i overall liked it i think the lead character is grading he's supposed to be but it was kind of unpleasant sometimes and then i Nicolas Philibert comes roaring back into uh, the forefront, winning the Golden Bear for his documentary on the Adamant, uh, who's been around also forever, very notable uh, documentarian. Uh, he might be best known in the U.S. for his one about the orangutan, the net. But Orangutan. Uh, yeah, yes, Venus. Uh, but uh, again, fine documentary, very old-fashioned, very... It had, very meaningful in its way and very humane it's deals with this boat called the adamant in france where these people can go to that are suffering from various all kinds of other mental health ailments and there are physicians therapists psychiatrists that work on this boat uh that they can get on and off of every day with that offers all kinds of uh, classes uh, like music sessions and they they have film groups and 
just all kinds of interesting activities these people can do that and this has been going on since 2010 uh, uh but again to win the golden bear <laughs> I, I i just don't know it just it yeah Anyway, so that's my thoughts on the awards. We'll do a separate video for my top 10 favorite and five least favorite films. Oh, you just came up with a number. I didn't tell you 10 and five. But, but I did. I have it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it, girl. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I did it. What were you going to tell me? What were you going to allow me to do? I wasn't going to give a number. And then that way I could just edit the video to what I think makes sense. <laughs> But that doesn't mean I still can't do it. You mean you were going to cut me off? You were going <laughs> to let me film and talk and then cut me off? Okay. <laughs> I've done it before. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, we'll make a video uh, to supplement. It's going to be top 10 and least five favorites. So, if it ends up being like top three, people know that I <laughs> that I cut it. I will, I will report you to the administrators. <laughs> to the administrator. <laughs> to the cat. <laughs> You're going to write an email to the cat. Oh, she'll scream so much today. She will. Um, we did get questions related to last week's podcast. The one where I talked about VIP services. And uh -huh. then we mentioned that you worked at Jubilee Goop. But I did post an image of Jubilee Goop. The, the actual company. Um, that shithole company that I wish would burn to the ground and still around. So there were questions about why did I hate working at the front desk? And why did you not like working at Jubilee Goop? Do you want to start first? Because people are trash. So to be clear, you were like a cashier, like a big box retailer. Did I not say the name? No, you didn't. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the Republican era America. Uh, no, it. Uh, I was also, I started working there when I was 16 as a cashier. I was the fastest in the district. And then I was promoted to, what did they call it at the time? Customer service manager. I was an hourly customer service manager at the age of 18. 18. So this would have been what year? 2003. And how much did that pay to be a supervisor? To be a supervisor, um, I made like, at the height of that, I made maybe $12 an hour. Okay. But I probably started as a cashier at like seven. And how you were working full time? I worked, I was worked a full 40 hours a week since I was 16. Yeah. So that's pretty good money. For a, a kid. For a kid, but I mean, I had to pay for my own, a lot of my own things, so I never had any money. Oh, sure. <laughs> like my own car insurance and, uh, yeah. But anyway, you hated it because? You know, I didn't mind it as a, like a 16 to 18 year old because I was I, from a small town, so I was something of a local celebrity. Like people would line up to have me scan their shit. Because you were the fastest cashier that's how boring in the district. This area of the world is, oh my God. Uh, but then when I moved to the Twin Cities for college and I transferred, uh, then then I really started to hate it because I worked in a kind of a rich suburb of the cities, Woodbury, and those people are fucking assholes. Uh, and the return policy, and I had to work kind of my, my way back up there too. The return policy was they take back whatever, no questions asked, but then they would force the employees to ask certain questions. So there's the constant conflict. It would, I almost got fired actually um, <laughs> toward the end. And thankfully I'd lined up another job. I believe it. Um, I hated working at the front desk for similar reasons. Like people are awful. Mm -hmm. um, specifically, like I would have so much anxiety over two things. One, because I, I had the shittiest shifts, I'd work graveyard. And that's when we would over. So 
hotels always oversell, not like, not unlike airlines, right? Because we expect there to be a certain amount of cancellations, no shows, reschedules, and the goal is to always be fully booked. So we would always oversell a certain percentage, but there were those nights when everyone showed up mm -hmm. and then we'd have to find other accommodations. Mm -hmm. And as we know, being uh, living in this fine nation, anytime someone who's uh, expecting a service doesn't get what they think they're supposed to get, it just becomes like, you've ruined everything. Mm -hmm. You've, I need to be compensated. And it's like, well, we're giving you a free hotel room somewhere else because we don't have room here and we're giving you your money back. Which is a pretty good deal. So you're getting a pretty good, and judging by your shoes and how outgrown your highlights are, you could use this money. So that was always really scary because the people who worked during the day didn't have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. It was the day fools who gave away all the rooms, right? which makes sense that you would give out to who who's comes there. First, yeah. So yeah, I would have so much anxiety. And then the part that would always frustrate me is like event weekends where like, a, it was always the same four straight dudes come book one room, request two beds. And then they get there at like, you know, cause they're driving from LA to Vegas is where the hotel is. So they don't get there till like midnight, 1 AM cause they drive after work and traffic's horrible. So all the rooms are gone. Mm -hmm. So we only have rooms with one bed and you have these four dudes, these four college dudes. And it's like, well, you only put down that you needed two. there were only two people in the room. So, why so would two we... people can sleep in one bed. And that's where I couldn't count on all my fingers and toes, the number of times I'd get called a faggot in one night. I'm not saying in my career in the hotel. I mean, in one night when it would, we'd have to explain like, well, you know, mm -hmm. two people in a room is reasonable in one bed. Well, there are four of us. Well, there is the opportunity to say there are four of you, you just have to pay extra. And mm -hmm. then we would assure that you have bedding because mm -hmm. there are people who paid extra. So those are the people who got the two beds. Oh my God. That alone was like, and then everyone wants to tell you like how this is a special trip for them and they want a room with the view and upgrade. And it's like, everyone wants something you should have planned accordingly and, and paid you can for that pay for what you want mm -hmm. and we're not rich but i always feel like if i can't do something how i want to do it then i'm not going to do it mm -hmm. i'm not going to go fly somewhere and not have the kind of accommodations that would make me comfortable mm -hmm. i'm not going to like go you know go on some i'm not going to do anything that i can't afford to do the way i want to do it mm -hmm. then it's not meant for me yeah so it's like if you 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 can't the other thing is like just like flights you went on the internet and this is in the early 2000s you went on the interwebs and got on expedia or priceline and literally searched for the cheapest thing you could find and then you get there and you want the five star upgrade you want you didn't pay for that you did not pay for that you paid for the cheapest thing you could find the hotel i worked in wasn't the cheapest hotel in vegas it was like in the middle but still you booked the least expensive thing you could find. Mm -hmm. you, you can't. Yeah. That mentality of wanting something for free and really, really bothers me because Same. I always think there are people who actually planned accordingly. There are mm -hmm. people who actually followed the rules and paid for the third person. That person should get the extra bed. Mm -hmm. They were honest. They knew they were traveling with their kid or three guys who didn't want to have to sleep in one bed. So why should you four assholes get it? Oh my God. It was every night, mm -hmm. every night. I couldn't wait to get out of that front desk. 
I, I I didn't get called the F slur that many times as you probably did, but I did get called it a fair amount working. Well, it was Sam's club that I'm talking about uh, in t- 2004 or five. Cause anytime I said no, and I got to love being able to say that as infrequently as it was possible for me to do so, uh, I, I immediately would be called a faggot. Like <laughs> I did get called um, the N word a few times, but um, I got called monkey a lot. Damn like faggot monkey and <laughs> my God, which is what, what which i think is what prompted me to get surgery on my ears now like it just hit me that i think that's probably why i always thought my ears looked big was that i would get called monkey <laughs> i mean I'm, i i like how my ears look now i don't ever actually i shouldn't say i don't ever think about how my ears look but um yeah you don't think they were just being fucking racist assholes no, they were, but I, you know, right, like, but without any, I remember you thinking think that they were brilliant enough to make some kind of, uh, sure, allusion to your yes, ears. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're right. But I think I, it, it just sort of fed into me thinking, oh, my ears are really big. And that's why that's like people's go-to. No, they're just racist. Um, or like saying the N word is too much. Somebody's going to call you <laughs> yeah, these other two awful things, but wow. Anyway, we need to take a break. Okay, films released we didn't cover. Something called Jesus Revolution. Oh my God, I've actually seen this. Oh, um, oh, is it like propaganda? It feels is, like. Is it. that the one you were telling me about yes. a while back? Uh, yeah, because I, I, I saw, I hadn't, I, I was paid to see this film. Uh, but yeah, starring Kelsey Grammer. It's directed by yeah, that's right, John Irvin and Brian McCorkle, and it's about uh, this hippie Jesus movement in the 1970s marrying kind of this old school religion type with uh th- this this man that looks like he's trying to be jesus uh lead the sheep of the blah, blah 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 anyway it was uh this came out this past weekend and if you saw it i i believe that only a certain type of people will probably see this film because i don't know who else would say yes let me watch this something called mummies uh it's a animated an animated film i know sean bean does a voice directed by juan jesus garcia galorca um and that's all i know about it bruiser this looked pretty good it's a debut on a directorial debut by miles warren on hulu and it stars trevante rhodes and shamir anderson who are both actors i quite like um i i think about the effects of uh, abuse and uh between fathers and sons but it sounds really good god's time we have a screener for this but because of berlin we didn't get to it directed by daniel and tebby i think it's about a young woman who's trying to get revenge on an ex i think we received several messages about the movie luther the fallen son yeah a netflix i think it comes i think it got a theatrical release this past weekend but it'll be on their streaming service march 10th uh it's a sequel to luther where idris elba plays a detective he's joined in this one by cynthia arrivo uh, I think it has something to do with a serial killer directed by Jamie Payne, but that does sound interesting. My happy ending. Uh, Andy McDowell leads this film, uh, directed by Tal Granite and Sharon Mayman. Uh, it also stars Miriam Margoyles and uh, Tom. <laughs> Miriam Margoyles. Isn't that her name? That's how it's spelled here, but that's interesting. <laughs> Isn't that her? Doesn't that how you say I don't her name? know. You do know what's her name? Did her on Drag Race for? You know this person. Miriam Margolis. Is there Margolis? Am I saying her name wrong? Uh, She's a little lesbian. Uh, let's, Margolis? 
or did I write it down wrong? Anyway, I know who that is. Okay. Maybe you wrote it down incorrectly. I don't know. Um, next, The Quiet Girl. Uh, from Ireland. It was nominated for Best International Feature. Not that I have a problem with it getting nominated. I'm just curious that this is what made it through. Oh, uh, yeah, that lady. Her name is Miriam. Oh, it's Miriam Margolis. Oh, it's so a little bit of a typo, but anyway, uh, directed by Colm Byreed Bear, probably saying that wrong too, because Irish. Uh, not anyway, it was good. I've watched it before, but we didn't cover it. Lastly, we have a ghost, Christopher Landon, son of Michael, still directing kind of all kinds of films. Is had, he the homosexual? Uh, yeah. Well, his dad was. I don't know if he is. He oh. might be too. Actually, oh. wasn't that the thing? Little House in the Prairie guy. He was gay, right? I don't know about Michael Landon. I thought his son was, though. Oh. I, I don't know. I don't. Why wanna, did I think Michael Landon was gay? I don't want to out people now. Continue. <laughs> well, too late. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure he... Anyway, um, Anthony Mackie, Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, it came out on Netflix. And it, I would watch that. Um, and notably, his next film, supposedly, is his Arachnophobia remake. Oh, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Projects of Interest... PTA. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson has a new oh. film that he's. <laughs> I thought it was about parent teacher association. No, but PT Anderson. Uh, it's apparently is about the current state of the Republican Party because he's trying to cast somebody to play Marjorie Taylor Greene. So I, have no, a, I hope it's somebody really nasty and stupid because that's what they would need to be able to tap into to play that person. Oh boy. Uh, Leonardo. Di- I, don't, I don't give a fuck. That woman can go to hell. Oh, uh, wow. But I don't believe in hell. So, oh, so we're just, so just ca- cast her into oblivion. We're spiraling. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> that woman is disgusting. Anyway, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio apparently is going to be attached. Okay. Well, there you go. Movies watched for fun. There aren't that many because you were at a festival. I, yeah. I did watch three movies, though. Tell us. I watched the 2023 BET Plus original Under His Influence. Oh. Directed by someone named Deshaun Hardy. We know who that is. We do? Yeah, we've watched Deshaun Hardy's films. What? Yeah. What we... Wait a minute. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, what did we watch of his? He, my bet that dear best friend or whatever. Um, oh, and what something about that that little girl? Oh, you know what? I'm what, the, the, his film right before Dear Best Friend. What was that called? Oh, my a, a gift for Jessica or something. The Lake on Clinton Road. No, it's something. Dwellers, a, the coast of pastors, the curse of pastors. Still, oh, a message for Brianna. A message for Brianna. Yeah. <gasps> what did well, I say? Well, you know what. I have to say, Under His Influence was definitely a notch up okay, from Dear good. Best Friend. Okay, good. Um, I feel like if Tyler Perry can be a billionaire, I believe Deshaun Hardy should. Because at least he's talking about more real things. Sure. <laughs> anyway, Under His Influence stars some people you know, like uh, Cynthia Bailey from Real Housewives of yeah, Atlanta. I know, her. I know who that is. Lamont Rucker, who we know from Why Did I, Why get, did married? I get Married? And Greenleaf, right? And Greenleaf, that's mm-hmm. right. Uh, Michael Michelle. Do you remember this actress? Actor? Her? Yeah. That lady is stunning. Yeah, she is. And she still looks, I mean, she's aged grace. Like, it looks like she hasn't had any work done. She's beautiful. Um, 
But anyway, this movie is about this rich girl who's like a Kardashian to like social media person. Mm-hmm. And she gets into some trouble. She gets into a DUI. She gets a DUI and like everyone's dragging her. And then all of a sudden she gets a DM from some guy in prison. And he's saying he was falsely convicted of murder. He's serving a life sentence. He would love for her to sort of expose his case and get him some help. So she does. She spends her own money. Michael Michelle plays the family lawyer and uh, get get him off. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, there's this thriller aspect to it where like something isn't quite right. And we find out that the convicted murderer who's been exonerated actually did kill the person. And we know that because there was a witness to the murder um, and they come forward. But th- the writing is terrible. It sounds like... Mm-hmm. Like there was no one who has a law degree who consulted on this. Sure, probably not. But I actually, I mean, it was late at night, and I when I put it on, and I was engaged. It's silly, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I would definitely. Now that you have explained to me that I've watched three of his films, mm-hmm. I would definitely watch the next one because you know there will. I mean, he's made three films in the last like year, so <laughs> yeah, he's just pooping those out. Okay, well, good for him. Sure, good for him. Mm-hmm. A, a black man out here making movies, and I mean, if they're, you know, m- movies serve a number of uh, purposes, but you know, entertainment is one, and mm-hmm. I, I was laughing and I was with it. <laughs> next, I watched. Um, cocaine bear oh yeah which i've seen already so people were asking like what do i think about it uh i would give it three out of five i thought it was good the star of the show is uh the ranger margot martindale yeah she the the movie needed to be about her Mm -hmm. the movie needed to be about this park ranger who is discovering all these murders and she i didn't need carrie russell at all sure like that lady just dragged it down and those kids i thought the kids were super cute Mm -hmm. but like i would have given up the kids the paramedics the the even uh o'shea jackson and all alden aaron aaron right who i like Mm -hmm. i would have given all of them up just to have margo martindale and jesse Tyler ferguson in that wig (laughs) running around (laughs) trying to like figure out what these bears are doing So, but I mean, the action scenes were pretty damn good. Like, what about with, like speaking of Margot when she dies? Yeah, in that ambulance that shows up. Yeah, it's... yeah. Um, there are moments I I think it's funny, mm-hmm. like it's humorous. The, the The rhythm of it is consistent, but I think the laughs there are consistent. I feel like the frequency of the humor, those moments where there wasn't humor, were a little too long and a little too f- consistent. Okay. So uh, my overall thought when I left the movie was that I would never watch it again. Like it, it wasn't funny enough to have me watch it again. Okay. So for that, I give it three. I would definitely recommend it if you think you're interested and for being such a silly premise, it's better than you would think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, it just seems kind of crazy that they had such an amazing character in Margot Martindale and they didn't think like let's just cap so, like sorry Kira you can take your money and it's pay for play whatever whatever they call it like you can mm-hmm. just go home because she's just so so strong yeah I agree that I I just anytime she wasn't on screen I also really liked the like the little hoodlum who O'Shea and all oh the, yeah yeah I thought he was cute he was cute and him trying to talk to all what about Isaiah Whitlock Jr 
Um, he was okay. Mm-hmm. I thought him with the dog and the thing, like, right? He's sure, the sheriff yeah. guy. I thought he was cute, but again, like him with his like the the other police officer, and that just felt like we don't need any of this. Ray can Liotta. We, can we get back to Margot? I mean, of course, I like Ray Liotta. Um, but yeah. It's it's worth a watch, mm-hmm. but yeah. I don't think it's like a comedic masterpiece. Sure, but I still had fun with it, so I don't know. Lastly, I watched a film called Other People, which I didn't look up. Uh, with Jesse Plemons and Molly Shannon. Do you know who directed it? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember. I saw that at Sundance it's, in, what, 2015? It's directed by Chris Kelly. Is that a 2014 or 15 movie? It, this is saying 2016. Oh, damn. Okay. So you probably saw it in 2015. No, I saw it at that Sundance that year. It was, I think it was the opening night film. Yeah, Molly Shannon, Jesse Plemons. Um, I So a friend of ours really likes it. So I, I, I watched it with him. And um, it's an emotional movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't cry as much as I thought I would. Um, because I think Molly Shannon is a mother dying of cancer. And her son, Jesse Plemons, comes back because now he's like, they think he's like a successful writer in New York, but his pilot, like a TV writer, but his pilot doesn't get picked up. And they also think he's in a relationship, but he has actually broken up with his partner, but he didn't want to tell anyone because he didn't want to stress out the mom and he wants his mom to know that he'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So there were moments when I was emotional, but, um, you know, Molly Shannon brings so much to the role. Mm-hmm. She does a fantastic job, but you know her humor. It's just that face; it sure. just makes you want to smile. So I, I mean, it was a, it, it's great casting because it, it definitely was a relief that I wasn't just laying. The, if she, if it would have been a different actor, I think it would have just been a sob fest. Sure, but she's so good at kind of br- breaking that tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I agree. And then I think whomever did the hair and makeup, like they do it for what I'm assuming was a small budget, especially making her look. Um, you know, going from looking healthy and happy to sick. They did a very good job. And Jesse Plemons is a cute... He's did a really good job, too. Yeah, and it's, you know, speaking of, like, non-gay act, I'm assuming he's not gay. No, he's married to Kirsten Dunst. But, um, he... Well, you know, assuming. Yeah. He, uh, I, I thought he really... And then his friend, and then, like, being on Grinder or, mm-hmm. or okay Cupid or something, I thought it was all very... It felt very, like, uh, personal. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming Chris Kelly, like, this is probably based on something he experienced. Maybe? Yeah, that sounds right. I haven't read about it in a long time, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> you watch something called Munich? Something called... Um, it's the one... not that uh, Steven Spielberg won the honorary Golden Bear, so they had an homage, the homage section that they have annually. So he got to pick a bunch of his films to s- screen out of his filmography, and this was one of them, and I'd never seen it, so I, I went to see Munich my second to last night, uh, which is nearly three hours, but I thought it was pretty interesting. And it, I think maybe the last 15 minutes don't feel as strong as the whole, but I, I quite, I, th- I thought it was quite captivating. And then you watched, you've got mail. Oh God. <laughs> I was already exhausted by the time I got on that flight on my way home. And this was all I managed to watch. And then I passed out for most of the rest of the flight. But this was an obnoxious film. I didn't realize it's basically a remake of uh, The Shop Around the Corner, which uh, is like a classic Czech film. But uh, <laughs> I can, 1998, with it just feels so, it's so dated in so many ways. But I think what's more dated even than the technological um, uh, capabilities of email at the time were that these two characters uh 
fall in love are, are both bookstore owners. <laughs> like he's Meg this, Ryan and Tom Hanks. Meg Ryan books. owns this small bookstore called The Shopper on the Corner, and he's basically building what's it's called Fox Superstore, but it's basically Barnes and Noble comes oh. in in New York uh, or come is built around the corner, and then of course puts her right out of business. But they've also been corresponding online uh, as strangers that are in love with that aspect of each other's persona. Oh God. I, you know, Nora Ephron, I, I, it's been a minute since I've really watched a Meg Ryan comedy, like a rom-com. Cause you know, she was like Julia Roberts was America's sweetheart in the nineties. And I don't see the appeal. I, I just don't, I, especially when she's trying to be cutesy. I just, I was, and I find Tom Hanks so fucking milk toast. The, the only magic in this film are the wonderful, vibrant people that Hollywood always keeps relegated to the sidelines, like Parker Posey or Dave Chappelle, uh, who immediately when they're on screen, I'm like, oh, please give me more of these people. But uh, I, I, I really didn't like it. There is an entry in the obituary section, Barbara Bossen. Yeah, who I'm not really that familiar with, but was in a lot of big television stuff in the 80s, including uh, Hill Street Blues, but she was 83. Let's take another break before we get to the secret film. Today's secret film was part of a poll we did three weeks ago mm-hmm. for Black female directors. Mm-hmm. So we reviewed... We made videos for four of the five films, mm-hmm. which were Eve's Bayou, mm-hmm. Just Another Girl on the IRT, Down in the Delta, mm-hmm. The Watermelon Woman, mm-hmm. and the fifth film we didn't make a video for because we thought we would do a podcast, and that film is the 1991 independent film written, directed, and produced by Julie Dash called Daughters of the Dust. Yes. So you had seen this film before. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think I reviewed the Blu-ray when it came out, I want to say. I had not seen it. I'm going to read the basic, uh, or the logline. A, impre- <laughs> a languid, impressionistic story of three generations of Gullah women living on the South Carolina Sea Islands in 1902. So... Ebo Landing, 1902. There's a community of black africans Mm -hmm. who um, occupied a region i believe like from north carolina down to like some part in florida Mm -hmm. on the coast sometimes it was like coastal areas and there are small islands off the coast that they occupied and basically just a group of people who sort of maintained um a lot of the african traditions yeah because they were isolated because they were isolated um and this film tells the story of one family the story is very simple. We have this group of people. Uh, there, there is a matriarch um, who, you know, we're told is like great grandmother, um, Nana Pizant. She, um, her family, some of them want to leave. A great, a great deal of them, yeah. To go up north to sort of have a better life, and then of course she doesn't want them to leave. There are some members who do want to stay, but like you mentioned, most want to leave. And then we actually have one former member who comes back Mm -hmm. yellow mary yellow mary with her girlfriend so she appears to be a lesbian Mm -hmm. um which reminded was giving me um uh lestat and louis from interview with the vampire vibes mm. (laughs) so um it's it's very simple everyone kind of does what they wanted to do the people who wanted to leave leave the ones who wanted to stay stay and then yellow mary 
decides to stay and then her girlfriend runs off because of course she doesn't want to be there and be and well and also grappling with like new versus old religions and, oh and there's so much there's so much I, I was saying i mean i think a few things i think this could be like a college course like this movie and then discussing like all, just so many themes it's so rich the, the mm -hmm. story that i think if for no other reason watching it um that I would, I'd recommend watching it for that. I also had written down that I think if there's ever been a movie that deserves like a reboot or like being made into a miniseries, this would be it because there's just so much history there. And every character in the film, you know, has their own POV. It, mm -hmm. I, my critique of the film would be that I think it's a little too busy. Like I wish you would have just focused on one character and her relationship to this community and how sure. she wants to leave. But instead we have like, I mean, we're focusing on like six different, and it, and then it's narrated by the unborn child of, of one of them, of Eula and Eli, yeah, yeah, who <clears throat> is a woman who was uh, sexually assaulted by a white man, mm -hmm. and we and it was never verified. Oh wait, no, but... it's Iona's kid. Sorry, Eula's the one that was. Uh, oh, assaulted. you're right, right, yeah. yeah. So there are um, a number of characters, and I think they're they're all so interesting and their perspective would be so interesting but because we have to deal with all of them i think the filmmaker did a good job with the resources and the time they had i, I don't think we be also um stated that julie dash is her debut premiered at sundance in that year where it won uh, an award for best cinematography by arthur jaffa uh was the first uh film directed by a black woman to receive theatrical release in this country. That's right. So you know, it's it's a, a pillar of the of the culture in that regard itself, which you know is a ton of weight to have on something. The that, film is beautiful to look at. It inspired Beyonce's Lemonade visual mm -hmm. album. Uh, like, yeah, it's beautiful to look at. Uh, I think the story is so rich. I think the writing is impressive. I agree. I like the vibe of it quite a bit. Uh, the cinematography, as I said, but also John Barnes, the score. It's got this like funky electro synth score that I really like. Yeah, I like the score as well. Because it kind of, it helps. And it's got a lot of scenes that are kind of in slow motion as you see them uh, at certain rituals, whether they're playing games or whether some of the young girls are being taught like how to behave. Like there's this one scene where they're practicing sitting in a chair. Uh, it's kind of hypnotic. Um, I don't have many notes. I just kind of had a lot of feelings about the the, the different themes. So there's one moment where um, the great-grandmother, one of her children is talking to her, and he's the guy whose wife was raped by the white man. Yeah, Eli. So that's Eula was the rape one. So Eli's talking to great-grandmother, and he basically... It represents that moment when we realize like all the things we believed in are bullshit, basically. Mm -hmm. So he's telling his great grandmother, like, or what is her name again? Nana, Nana Pizant. Pizant, Nana Pizant. He's telling her, like, I thought you could protect us. Like, you do all this, like, hoodoo and mm -hmm. you carry all these bones and make us do all this. And it didn't help. And he's upset, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was such a powerful moment. Like, that moment when we realized that like yeah the the things we believed in are bullshit um so i think my favorite character in the film is yellow mary oh same yeah 
played by she, Barbara O. Oh. She's so intriguing. I mean, like you said, it, it's almost like interview of a vampire vibes. Like she's so intriguing and mysterious. And it's like, I just want to, she gives little snippets of maybe what she's experienced, but it's just like, oh, the entire movie could have been about her. Mm-hmm. And because her wanting to come back makes sense. I mean, it alludes to the, like the life she must've led that, made her flee back to this more simple way of life mm-hmm. but it, 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 it's just i'm like i'm begging to know like specifics and details and the actor gives such a strong performance and then her girlfriend is this younger woman who's uh, beautiful she's fair skinned mm-hmm. but i think it's funny that they call yellow and another character also says this that yellow mary is not i mean she's pretty she has pretty, a rich skin tone so yeah, it's funny to be called yellow yeah so it's funny that she's being called yellow mary but yeah, she was definitely my favorite character. And um, she connects with Eula, the woman who was raped. Mm-hmm. Because the community is very nasty towards Yellow Mary because of her experiences, calling her like a, a shameless like a, hussy, a hussy, a whore. And then at one point towards the end, Eula, the woman who was raped and who is currently pregnant, she tells the group like, you know, y'all talking about her. So then what you like, what are you saying about me? And Again, I thought that was very powerful. Pretty good, pretty good powerful speech too, because she's also talking about how there was never truly a, 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 a what's the word she used? Not like a true woman, but a pure woman. A pure woman. Because yeah. basically, all this historical trauma, like their mothers and their grandmothers, weren't allowed to be pure because they were all raped and pillaged and tortured. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, something a little more light was there's a we get a scene where i believe it's the narrator explaining how they all have like funny names mm-hmm. goober and yeah like you adora i adora she's like we even have a pete and a repeat <laughs> <laughs> but it, it goes on for quite some time and i thought that was really cute um something else that, like again this would be i mean i would if there's some community center class on this movie talking about the different themes i would definitely attend because i think when it comes to religion mm-hmm. and how there's like this split between like the great grandmother Nana Pazant, who they call it like hoodoo and mm-hmm. versus like they are reading the Bible and believe in that. And then there's Viola who's left and come back. Who's a born again Christian. And it's just so funny to me that they are more prone to, and of course they didn't know this, but it's like, you're adopting this dogma that the white man has brought to you versus i mean i don't believe in either but it's like if i had to choose i'd probably be with nana Pazant. like well at least what she's talking about is more about the land and where they are and a lot of like it, they make it very personal like a lot of the stuff she does like you need to take a lock of your hair and do this like it's all very sort of individualized and but well, I, th- that's why I thought I was reading as Hagar as the one that's kind of rejecting both because she says I'm an educated woman and no, oh, I really like that yeah, character. Like yeah. Neither of these things work. And so. how she doesn't want to raise her kids in mm-hmm. this environment. So I thought that was so fascinating. Like just this intersection of, cause it's also the early 1900s. So the conditions for black people in America are not great, even though well yeah there's a, this, the slave this, trade and slavery should have ended there's it's, this feeling of dread about like where are they where as I, the audience yeah. i'm scared like yeah i mean like you might be safer where you are and so yeah very powerful it reminded it it, it reminded me of a couple films that came out this year including descendant from margaret brown the documentary about the last slave ship that's 
you didn't watch that with me, but you know, this notion of that there, this slave trade was still happening, even though it was made illegal 50 years before the civil war. But I, I, I was thinking of that and this, this notion of this specific ancestry based on certain logistics uh, and also Banshees of Inisherin. Oh, I kept, I kept thinking of sure these, these people isolated on, on this remote island. Well, that some of whom are kind of dying there and need to go to the mainland. It's also interesting how we really only see the perspective of the women and they seem like the ones more motivated to either make a change or maintain their way of life. We don't really hear from the men. Which is funny you say that because this is how I wanted women talking to feel. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. Actually, if like how people were drooling over women talking, I feel like this is what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, cause even like, yeah, yeah, that's a good example. But yeah, so I think it's, it's very much ahead of its time in a lot of ways, but, um, yeah. It, it, and again, I, I don't know. I, I feel like if you know cinema, if you know black cinema, this is, this is very well known, but outside of that, you know, Julie Dash, like a lot of women, uh, Ava DuVernay brought together for Queen Sugar has directed several episodes of that, but she hasn't done a lot of other films, some TV stuff. She did the Rosa Parks story with Angela Bassett. Um, I, I think she didn't, her next major thing after Daughters of the Dust was directing the music video for uh, Give Me One Reason by Tracy Chapman. Oh. So you know, like, it, it's just interesting to see that there's this, this landmark film and then the filmmaker herself of course has had kind of i'm sure had to cobble together mm -hmm. <laughs> other opportunities a career yeah well that's all i have i would highly recommend checking it out um I'll, and also for people who like me sometimes are afraid to watch certain stories because i don't want to be traumatized i, I th this is not that kind of film no it, it is very languid kind of even surreal a bit but uh, they're in a bubble they're not yeah. dealing with any white people there's i mean there is talk of abuse but it's you know it's it's uh, it's off screen the rape is off screen yeah. yeah so it really is just about these people deciding like how they see their futures um what would you give it uh three and a half okay i think i said three out of five um so what's hap so you are going out of town again next week yeah. That being said, we are going to have a live video next Saturday. Mm -hmm. The theme will be Raquel Welch. Mm -hmm. So we she to, died. Because she done died. So we're going to do some B-sides so, yeah, from so, the 70s. So most, don't ask me about what's her most popular movie. Uh, probably, is it Myra Breckenridge? No, it's the one where she's wearing the two-piece Oh, 10,000 yeah, BC, which yeah. I've never seen, actually. Oh, maybe we should put that on the list. I don't know. Actually, we will no, put it on the list. No, people are going to vote oh, for that. What's the then? one with, oh, Myra Breckenridge. Myra Breckenridge is with... Uh, May West. May West. I love my. That's Ridge. such a good movie. But um, and I don't know what she's done. Did she do anything in like the two thousands? She did have. She was in How to Be a Latin Lover. We should put the 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 two piece fur movie and Myra Breckenridge, but um, and we'll see what people want. Oh, you want? Well, I think people will pick one of those. Well, that's fine because you haven't seen one, and the other one we know is fun. That's true. Um. But like I for you know Mother Jugs and Speed with Bill Cosby. Oh, that um, one sounds good to me. Annie Caldwell, that Western she's headlining. Um, we put put those. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Um, but yeah, you're gonna be gone. Bedazzled. She's she's in the original Bedazzled. Oh God. Um, oh, uh, while I was in Berlin, I read Berlin Stories, uh, a collection of works by Robert Walzer, who was an author I hadn't been familiar with 
before, but from 1907 to 1917, he was Swiss. He was in Berlin and uh, wrote all, all kinds of stuff that were published in magazines that were assembled that I thought were very fitting to read there. But I was struck because I didn't know anything about him while I was reading this collection about how hopeful and also how very sad he seems sometimes in his descriptions of some things about just living this life in this urban city on the edge of modernity. Uh, oh. But I uh, come to find, I was like, oh, what? he ended up in a sanitarium in the 30s. Oh. Um, but the the person who wrote the foreword for this uh, is apparently writing his biography. But I, I, I'm curious to read more of what he wrote because uh, I really liked kind of his sense of humanity and how he felt connected to his environment. But it didn't surprise, like the, the sadness that's inherent in a lot of it too, I thought was very striking. Hmm. Res it resonated with me. Uh, and then I started reading uh, the exact opposite, uh, Hubert Selby Jr.'s last novel, um, published in 2004 called waiting period about this just depressed suicidal man that wants to buy a handgun but there's a computer glitch so it's delayed and in that period of several days delay he decides he doesn't want to kill himself but the people that have wronged him oh <laughs> so, well. hubert selby jr um wrote requiem for a dream last exit to brooklyn he's that kind of a writer well a few weeks ago i mentioned how much i like a podcast i discovered called dying no diagnosing sitcoms and movies it's two black women who are licensed therapists who basically um review sort of films and television shows popular to black culture or relevant mm -hmm. haven't had an impact and uh, not only do they review them but they also like diagnose some characters mm -hmm. <laughs> which is super super fascinating but i guess enough people told them that we had said that or that I had said I liked it, mm -hmm. that they invited us to be on their podcast. Which is exciting. So I'm excited about that. And we get to choose the movie. <laughs> so um, if people have suggestions, uh, they can definitely let us know. Um, the criteria is that it's something with a predominantly black cast that has had an impact on the culture. Mm -hmm. And it's preferably a little more, you know, not vintage per se, but some has some years on it years have passed right mm -hmm. to give it enough time to have that impact I, mean, yeah. I don't know that you can be something from 2022 and it impacted the culture right but um yeah so i'm excited about that and for people who haven't um checked out their podcast i would definitely do it uh, mm -hmm. in the dsm podcast diagnosing sitcoms and movies uh but that's it we're not seeing anything Next, this coming week because you won't be here be gone. so we'll have no creed 3 review that's fine i didn't watch i you think didn't... i saw creed you haven't, I, you haven't seen the other two that year that i was in san francisco i feel like creed 2 was on like or one of the creed 1 or creed 2 was on like hbo like the hotel i would always stay in mm -hmm. that'd be like one of the movies that was always on mm -hmm. And I still don't think I finished it. Okay. I would just watch like five minutes here. Five minutes. I like the first one. I didn't much care for Creed 2. I have zero interest in watching any Creed movie. Um, oh, well, there you go. And that's the only big release this week. Mm -hmm. Oh, but we are watching. We will have two or three videos come out this. Well, at least two. Sure. Yeah. So it won't be bare. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say? No. All right. Toodaloo. Thank <laughs> you.